This is Crossroads with Clayton King. So we've got a special treat for you. This week and next week is part one and part two of a message I preached at our Crossroads Winter Conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. There are just around 2,000 teenagers in the room. This is a really cool event that we've put on now for 26 years. Teenagers today are really struggling to find their purpose, why they even exist, what their life is supposed to be about. Especially after COVID, we're trying as a ministry to give them hope and purpose, to let them know that God has a plan for their life. So you're gonna get to hear part one right now of our message from Crossroads Winter Conference about God's purpose for his people. I hope you have a notebook and you're ready to learn something. Here we go. I wanna take you to Matthew chapter five, but before I get there, let me tell you the title of the sermon. God's purpose for his people. God's purpose for his people. I've noticed a change in teenagers over the years. This conference has been going on for 26 years. I was talking with some adults today. I've noticed this and other youth pastors and moms and dads have told me that they've noticed a change in teenagers from just a few years ago. I think I'm just beginning to understand how much trauma the last three years have caused to our culture, including me. I think we're just beginning to see how dark our world is getting. And I've noticed this. I've noticed that there seems to be just a genuine, an overall generic lack of a sense of purpose in our culture at large, but specifically with your demographic, Gen Z or the Zoomer generation, or as some like to call you, and I love to call you this, the revival generation. And so I wanna give you some hope tonight. It's our last session at Winter Conference, and I'm just gonna let it all out tonight, if that's okay. Not gonna hold back anything, gonna say exactly what I think, gonna speak up, gonna be bold, gonna be led by the Spirit, and I'm gonna talk to you like a dad should talk to his kids. I'm not your dad, but I've got two of my own boys in this room, And this is how my wife and I talk to our boys. We love them and we are kind and caring, but also very clear. So I wanna be kind, I wanna be caring, but I want to be clear. God has a purpose for his people. And God has a purpose for you. Let that sink in, that you're not just a consumer in in a democracy called the United States. You are an image bearer of God. When God made you, he made you like him. You have grown up in a culture, so have I, that has said to us for the last 50 years that human life has little value compared to our own convenience. You are living in a culture right now that is having debates, fights, and arguments every single day about the basic biology of human beings. You are having an agenda shoved down your throat every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year for the rest of your life. And I'm seeing things every day that blow my mind and as a dad, knowing I've got two guys that are your age growing up in this culture, it reminds me to pray for you. And as some people have even told me recently, they've chosen not to have kids 
because they don't want to bring children into a world that is this dark and this broken. I literally had that conversation about two months ago. I wanna flip the script around and I wanna give you some hope. I wanna show you that God has a purpose for you and you don't have to get run over by our broken culture. You have a purpose in God's plan in this culture that is redefining the very definitions of reality. You can make a difference. And I wanna let Jesus tell you what your purpose is. Here is our purpose. Primarily, it's two simple things. Our purpose is to know Jesus. That's your purpose. Some of y'all are gonna go into law. Some of y'all are gonna go into medicine. Some of y'all are going to sports. Some of you will, will be a physical therapist. Some of you are gonna be a school teacher. Some of you are gonna go into politics. Please, I beg you in the name of Jesus, go into politics and be a common sense man or woman of integrity who just does the right thing and tells the truth. Please, somebody in this room go into politics and keep your integrity and keep your character and don't lie. And that goes both ways, so don't get me started. I'm an equal opportunity offender, so I'm gonna just back off the politics thing right now, okay? If God's called you to do that, that's your purpose, to know Jesus. Before you go into politics, before I write a book, before Shari uh, gets one of her messages together, before you go to work as a youth pastor, that's your calling, but our purpose our purpose, the reason we were created is to actually know Jesus. I didn't come up with that. Jesus came up with that. John 17, three. This is eternal life. This is the words of Jesus, by the way. He says it. That they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. If Jesus defined your purpose, then let that be the definition you carry with you to the grave. That you will know Jesus. So this is a filter for you. Does Snapchat help you know Jesus? Uh, don't, don't answer out loud. Answer it in your own heart. I'm not saying Snapchat's bad. I'm just saying ask yourself the question. Do the accounts you follow on Instagram help you know Jesus? Does the way that you spend your money help you know Jesus? The, the shows that you watch on television, on 400 different streaming services now, do, do, does that help you know Jesus? The girl you're dating, the guy that you're dating, do they help you know Jesus? Teenagers are always asking me in Shari at events, and they've done this for years. How can I know the will of God? And we can really clear up about 97% of the confusion that we have in our lives about our career, about where to go to college, about whether or not we should play a sport, about whether or not we should date this guy or date this girl or what school we should go to. If we just ask this question as the primary filter, does this have the potential to help me know Jesus? That's John 17, three. To know God means that we know Jesus Christ. But we also have a second purpose. And I'm trying to make this as clear and simple as I can. Our purpose is to make Jesus known. You know Jesus and you make Jesus known. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, coined this phrase, 
decades ago. And I don't think anything outside of the Bible has ever been more true or accurate than this phrase, that your purpose as a 12-year-old girl, your purpose as a 17-year-old guy, your purpose as a homeschool family, your purpose as a bivocational youth pastor, my purpose as an evangelist and a pastor, your purpose as a middle school student, your purpose as a substitute teacher. If you're a Christian, all of those things are so important and essential and they all are rooted in this, that you exist to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Now, the reason why I want to set it up that way before we get to Matthew chapter 5 is because I want you to see that your life is not meaningless. And that regardless of what other voices in the culture may say, you have a purpose. You are not just a random fetus that a woman chose to give birth to and now you're just a grown-up fetus. You are an image bearer of God. You are beautiful. You're an image bearer of God. You are creative. You're an image bearer of God. You can actually know God and then you can be a vessel to help other people know God too. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five. We've read it all weekend. And now we're going to wrap up our weekend going back to the passage that has anchored us all weekend long, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And I'm going to unpack three simple phrases and make them as practical and applicable as I possibly can for a room full of fired up students who are ready to go out into the world for the glory of God, shining the light of Jesus in a dark world. That's who you are. That's who you are. So I want to encourage you with the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and following. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather puts it on a lampstand and it gives light for all, <coughs> excuse me, who are in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus is trying to get a point across. And I want to get it across to you guys and girls as clearly as I know how. Your faith in Jesus is personal, but it is not, never has been, and never will be private. I hope somebody's going to write that down. Your faith is personal, meaning I can't get saved for you. I can only be saved by putting my faith in Jesus. And you got to give your life to Jesus by putting your faith in him. 261 of you have already, I believe, have already done that this weekend. By the way, in 26 years of Winter Conference, that's more than double any year that we've ever had as far as people who have responded to the gospel in some way. This year, I'm telling you, something's different. 
It's different here in this room. It's different at Winter Conference. I've never missed one. I've been at all 26 of them. I started this piece way back in the day, back when Michael Jackson was still alive, back when Jordan was still playing basketball. I've been doing this a long time, and something has changed, and it's shifted in the earth. And what I'm noticing now is that it is better to just say what you mean and mean what you say. So I'm gonna say what I mean and mean what I say when I tell you guys and you girls, get this in your heart, get this down in your soul. You have a personal faith in Jesus because you have to choose Jesus. Your mom and your dad can't choose Jesus for you. Crossroads can't choose Jesus for you. You've gotta to choose to put your faith in Jesus. That's personal. But what your culture's telling you and what America's telling you and what politicians are telling you and what the media is telling you and what the, your friends either directly or indirectly are telling you and what so many public school systems are telling you and I'm a product of public school and my son goes to public school. I've got no shame in throwing no shade on public school, okay? But what our culture is telling you is you can be a Christian but shut up about it. You can be a Christian but don't talk about it. You can be a Christian, but I don't want to hear about it because your faith is private. Keep it in your house and keep it in your church. But what Jesus says here is the opposite of that. Jesus says, you are a, a lamp, a light. They, they used to use these clay lamps. They would fill them up with olive oil and they would light them. And instead of taking that light and putting it on a table and putting a bucket or a basket over the top of it, which would render the light useless. The purpose of light is to illuminate a house, illuminate a room, show you how to walk, show you what's there, keep you from injuring yourself, keep you from having an accident. Jesus says it is absurd to think you would light a lamp and then cover it up with a basket or cover it up with a bucket. That's not the purpose of light. When you light a light, you put that lamp on a stand and you let it illuminate the whole house so that the beauty of that house can be exposed. Here's what we get to do. We get to publicly live out our personal faith. And I'm not giving anybody in here permission to be obnoxious about your faith. And I'm not giving you permission to just jump on Facebook and have argument after argument with people that you don't that you disagree with. That, that's really the easy way to convince ourselves that we're being the light of the world. I'm giving you permission to let Jesus fill you with his spirit so that everywhere you go, you realize my purpose is to make Jesus known in this situation. How can I best make Jesus known in this situation? That's why. For some of you that are going to be soon choosing where to go to college and you're trying to figure out, do I go to a state school or do I go to a private school or do I go to a Christian school? You know what? For some of you, God may tell you exactly where to go. For some of you, God may not tell you exactly where to go. God may give you two or three options and God may say, pray about it, seek my wisdom, and then I'm going to let you choose because I trust that wherever you go, you're going to be my witness. Wherever you go, you're going to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, a city on a hill. You can go to a Christian college like Anderson University or North Greenville or Liberty or, or any number of schools, many of them who are here out in the lobby, or you can go to, to Ohio State or Clemson or USC or UGA or Appalachian State. You can go to any of those schools because I need witnesses there too.
I hope this message gives you a taste of what it feels like to be in the room at Crossroads Winter Conference with about 2,000 teenagers from all over the East Coast. Hey, you might be a youth pastor and you're looking for an event to take your students to. Maybe you're a mom or a dad and you've got teenagers, or maybe you're a student yourself and you'd like to attend this special event. I wanna invite you to come and be a part of it. This coming January, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, is January the 12th through the 15th, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Come and be a part of this with us. Go to our website, very simple, crossroadswinterconference.com. The prices are there, location, all the details, crossroadswinterconference.com. We have seen God do miracles over the last 26 years, and this year it's gonna be amazing. Come and join us at Crossroads Winter Conference in Gatlinburg, and now back to the message. Your faith is personal. Faith is not private. It's not meant to be kept to yourself. That's not the purpose of our faith in Christ. So do not let the world convince you that you need to hush up and shut your mouth about Jesus. You don't have to be obnoxious. You don't have to be rude. You should never do that. But what you do get the opportunity to do is to look for chances to look for spaces and look for places and look for people where you could just literally, guys, it's this easy, just speak up. You don't have to understand all the deep mysteries of the world. You don't have to understand Calvinism versus free will. You, maybe you, I'm sure you got questions about the Bible. Trust me, I've got them too. You don't have to understand every single nuance of theology. All you have to do is speak up Say the name of Jesus, share your testimony, be kind, be clear, be Christ-like, but that is who you are. And these are the three examples that Jesus uses. Number one, we are the salt of the earth. We've already heard about this all weekend. Matt talked about it, Shari talked about it, Jacob talked about it, Shaq talked about it. You are the salt of the earth. I work, I have two jobs, I work for Crossroads, and I work for New Spring Church. I make a salary, okay? That means every month, on the first of the month, my employer gives me money. They don't actually hand me cash. It's electronically deposited into my checking account. It's called a salary, S-A-L-A-R-Y. Shari has already alluded to this. The word salary literally comes from the word salt because salt was how the Roman government paid their soldiers, because it was that valuable. They paid them in bags of salt, half pound bags, one pound bags, five pound bags, 20 pound bags of salt, because salt was necessary for survival, to preserve food. It had more value in some cultures than precious metals. That's who you are. Do you see why I am so passionate about telling you girls that you do not have to be skinny to be beautiful? I'm telling you guys, you don't have to fake masculinity to be a masculine image bearer of God. You'll prove that you're tough by being a bully. That's, 
That's not how God made you. You are the salt of the earth. You have value. I mean, the same means of exchange that the Roman government paid their soldiers with that had so much value, they would rather have a bag of salt than a gold coin. Jesus is saying, you're like that bag of salt. You're valuable. You preserve this world. Do you know that if, the, if every Christian in the world left this world, what our world would look like? You know, you couldn't, you'd be hard pressed to find a single hospital in the continent of Africa. And I've been there. I lived in Africa in college. You'd be hard pressed to find a single hospital on the continent of Africa that wasn't started by Christians or missionaries or Christian denominations. You know the reason why we have so much discussion in our country right now in America about equality? It's because it's a Christian value that did not exist in the world until Jesus Christ came and lived and showed that Jews and Gentiles were equal in the eyes of God, that slaves and rich people were equal in the eyes of God, that men and women were equal in the eyes of God. You take Christianity out of world history, there is no such thing as equality. It's only the rich and the powerful enslave the poor and the weak. That's what the world looked like until Jesus of Nazareth was born and lived. And we carry that message into the world. That's why Shari spoke about being salty, that that's who you are. And when you know that that's who you are, you can have confidence in every situation that you can speak up. You can be the salt of the earth. It's extremely valuable. It preserves life. But there's one other thing that salt does. It makes people thirsty. It makes people thirsty. Some of y'all have been um, keeping up with this story. You know, there's been this big debate in America for a long time about prayer, public prayer. My parents grew up when they prayed in public schools every single day. At my high school graduation in 1991, I was told, I was student body president, and I was presiding over our graduation, and I was told that I could not pray at our graduation. There's a lot of debate about prayer. Until DeMar Hamlin gets hit in the chest in a football game, and the whole entire country stops. And they're watching this, this athlete for the Buffalo Bills lay on the field while for nine minutes they perform CPR on him to keep him alive. And all of a sudden now, God is breaking through the darkness. All of a sudden now, you literally have ESPN analysts praying in Jesus' name on ESPN. You literally have atheists. You literally have an atheist ESPN analyst who says, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing his quote, I watched it. I am an atheist, but in times like this, I realize that I don't have a faith and I wish I did because I see all of you praying and I know that you believe in something bigger than yourself and I miss that and I wish I had that in my life. Isn't that an incredible testimony of how God can shine His light even in the darkest moments and He can even use someone that doesn't even believe in Him to do it? Well, we're at the end of part one of this message from Crossroads Winter Conference and I wanna tell you, 
to come back next week as I'll finish up this message, part two of what it means to live your life on purpose, with purpose, the purpose that God gives you to shine a light like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden into a dark world. We'll see you next week where we'll finish this up and hear more from the scripture about how you can know your purpose and you can live your life intentionally with boldness for the glory of God every single day. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com. Oh,